Grand Rising, everyone. Alex Minty Live, Spirit and Coffee. Got my coffee here. Mm -hmm. I'm about a minute early. We'll see if branding gets on here. Um, but um, as you can see, <laughs> my hair is crazy. Started a new term for school. Um, Non-ordinary states of consciousness is the first class that we're starting um, to talk about altered states of consciousness, non-ordinary states of consciousness, um, and the different altered states of consciousness, and what does it mean to be in non-ordinary states and also altered states of consciousness. Um, pretty cool stuff. A lot of it goes into the psychedelics, of course, and how we have these peak experiences when we're maybe taking some of these psychedelics and, and what happens when we do pretty cool stuff so you know there i'm sure there's people out there you know they talk about the lsd stuff and you know um <laughs> what it was invented for which i didn't even realize it was for women's health to begin with um during i think it was like labor or something like that and um it ended up being lsd in the lab and then boom they started using it to see what would happen you know what mystical experiences happen our altered states of consciousness, as they call it, um, while taking LSD. Now, for those of you who've taken psychedelics, I think that you'll understand that you do kind of see the world from a different perception. <laughs> and that perception can be pretty interesting. I'll just say that. Um, hence, we have Alice in Wonderland and a bunch of different books that talk about and show us and to be honest with you i would say probably most of those people who write these creative stories were on some sort of altered stimulus a stimulus that altered their consciousness into some altered state of consciousness meaning they felt like they weren't here um but we do have like out-of-body experiences meditation um, you know, the article I was reading goes over the different altered states that we have and how human in through hu through throughout human existence, we've always done these altered states of consciousness. Like that's been a big thing. It's been part of it. Um, and so, um, you know, maybe reintroducing it and figuring out what that means to reintroduce these types of states. And we still have tribal people who have continued to do ceremonies and stuff like that. And, um, you know, the ceremonies for altered states of consciousness didn't necessarily incorporate the psychedelic drugs per se. I don't even want to say drugs, but the psychedelics. Instead, they would use ceremony like dancing and drumming um, and fasting. And then that would put them in this altered state. And so they would get this information. Now, we know that a lot of these great people um, who have come up with these ideas and have totally changed the perception of humanity really entered into these altered states of consciousness or non-ordinary states of consciousness. Now, there's a distinction, um, but I can't really speak to it at this point. It's sort of early and I just started this course, but um, really not grounded totally fully on the um, the difference between the non-ordinary states and the altered states. And I believe altered states might have a stimulus that comes, you know, from another, from something else, like psychedelics, perhaps. Maybe like, you know, 
ingesting stuff, but they also believe that um, altered states of consciousness comes from meditation as well. So meditation can do that. Um, also hypnotherapy. So, you know, these parts of psychology weren't really necessarily um, talked about or practiced um, until recent, recently. Now, it was practiced by indigenous cultures throughout time. But as soon as the Western world took over and started using science as a way to, you know, track what was real, <laughs> and quote unquote real, right? Because we don't really know what's real. But once they started using science, then, you know, <laughs> they got away from the psychedelics. They got away from the altered states of consciousness um, as not real because they couldn't measure it. And so when people have these um, experiences, or they call peak experiences, um, they don't know how to measure it. They can measure it through scientifically through maybe brain function, but not necessarily can they pinpoint it scientifically. And so a lot of this stuff, which is a transpersonal world or transpersonal psychology is kind of thrown out and laughed at by the scientific world, because how can we scientifically explain what happens even in our dreams, right? Our dream world when we're there um, could be an altered state of consciousness where we we can't really tell people what's happening in i mean we could try to explain what's happening in our dream but most of the time we can't even describe it there are no words maybe we have no language to kind of explain how we were in five places all at once and how are we constructing these entire universes and worlds you know and as we're asleep well we don't really know we don't have the words or the language or the way to shape or form or talk about it so again the um the, the altered states of consciousness is a huge topic. Um, Psychology is trying to put it back in, and I think it's critical. Why do I think it's critical? Well, because we have individuals right now who don't necessarily, um, they're diagnosed as crazy or they're diagnosed as um, whatever it is. And are they crazy? No. Perhaps they're having a peak experience. Um, and there was what we call spiritual emergency or spiritual problems, right? Where now in the DSM, whatever, five or whatever it is, the DSM, where they actually do this diagnosis for psychology, they have the book and they've added in spiritual problem. Now, most people um, don't know this. Most therapists don't know this. Um, and if they do, they don't really know how to treat a person um, that perhaps is having these peak experiences right? And so we call people crazy. Well, are they crazy? I don't know. Like, how do we, how can we say that what their experience is not real and that maybe we have our blinders on? And this is kind of where things go. Now, it was revered back in the day. Individuals were, it was okay to actually have these peak experiences. In fact, that's where the shaman came from. The shaman were able to go into the, the uh, spiritual realm and the medicine people were able to go into the spiritual realm and they were revered as healers. Now it's uh, not revered at all. They're called crazy, basically, is what ends up happening. So um, pretty kind of cool. Um, and as I go through the um, non-ordinary states of consciousness and as I continue going on through this coursework for my term, um, I'll continue to share with you guys what, what it means.
And again, you don't have to do a psychedelic to hit these peak experiences. Um, music, dancing um, is a huge one. In fact, I feel for me, because I don't do any, I don't take any kind of um, uh, substances or anything like that. Um, you know, I would do a ayahuasca journey, but only with somebody who was trained to take me through that process. I wouldn't just go take it <laughs> with just anyone, right? Or, um, you know, people take mushrooms and stuff like that, or they microdose. I wouldn't necessarily go out and just take some mushrooms with just some random, you know, it's a, a spiritual uh, ceremony and it's different because it's revered as a spiritual journey. Um, and it's probably a spiritual journey into your um, unconscious mind and to find out what's kind of there and it, it, in it happening in a conscious state of being because you're still conscious as you're going through this journey, but it's pulling from where, right? Where is it coming from? So we have the, they call it the mushroom people, um, which in my opinion are the coolest people ever. The mushroom people People don't realize fungi is one of the coolest things ever on the planet. In fact, um, where they grow from, the systems underneath the earth um, are the consciousness of the planet, which is kind of crazy when you see it that way, which people don't know, right? Um, and it breathes, these fungi are sort of like their own thing, like they have their own consciousness. But it's crazy because if you eat, ingest some of these, they alter your state of consciousness, which is kind of interesting, kind of cool in a way. But again, I wouldn't necessarily just go out and just do it for fun. It, to me, it's a very spiritual, um, it's a very intimate um, relationship with the divine for me. Um, and I would do it at the right time with the right person, but I'm not necessarily just going to go out looking for it. If someone offered me to journey, um, you know, then I would, and that would be the right time for me. I'm going to do it every day. No, I'm going to do it all the time. No. Will I do it because it's a spiritual experience that has been gifted to me? Yes. Now that, and I think that's the distinction. I think it's where people get misconstrued because they maybe overdo the, <laughs> and, I, and I get it. I think that most people are doing these, um, these dosages to hit that experience, to feel like they're one with the divine. And, um, and I think this is the biggest issue with, you know, drugs that are not necessarily good for us, like, and the overuse of it, right? Because again, we can hit these altered states without the use of anything medicinal. We don't necessarily need to take some sort of drug. We could, in fact, they used to do, like I said, drums drums, dancing, and fasting. And that was enough to get them into that space. But of course, as you know, people came in and we were colonized and all that, what they said is, well, let's take away the drums. You can no longer have drums. You can no longer have ceremony because what happens when we reach these altered states of consciousness or um, um, non-ordinary states of consciousness? When we start to hit those experiences, what happens is that we pull information from another place. Now, these quote-unquote great physicists and scientists and whatever all believed in these psychedelics, right? They were doing ceremony themselves. 
to sort of get the information that they needed. Um, some people got it in their dream world, which is an altered state of consciousness. Now, here's the deal. They were bringing back this information. Was it theirs? No. But what were they tapping into? Well, I would say it was the collective consciousness, right? They were they were tapping into this collective um, wisdom that's been there forever. That's never going to go away. Almost like people tapping into like the internet, right? Where there's all of this information. So it's almost like they were able to tap into it with their brain, bring it back. And, you know, Einstein, um, I mean, there's just story after story after story where you're going to hear these individuals say, well, it wasn't really my idea. It didn't really, it, it was something that came from an, from another world or from another state, another place, another, their way of thinking. And they pull that information from that altered state. Well, that's why they don't want us to go into those altered states. Why? Because then we start to recreate and reshape reality in, in a different way. Now, realities can be molded and people don't realize that. Reality is not black and white, although we have made it black and white. So these altered states that we go into, we can extract information and we can mold reality into something different. That scares people. Because most people want to live in a black and white reality. That's what they're used to. They don't know how to think outside that box. Trust me, I've had many, many Facebook posts where people um, literally cannot get outside of the human narrative. They can only think in black and white. And they can't see outside of that and start to think in maybe more of a dualistic way or an integrated way. Or how both sides can make sense. But not necessarily for you, but you can understand the rationale between each. So people don't do that, right? It's like my way or the highway. Well, I can tell you that, yes, my ego will get in the way. And I'll say my way is the right way. But that's ego. When I'm able to transcend that state and say, well, what's, what's more? How can I say that I hold the truth? I don't hold the ultimate truth. Nobody does. And I think Brandon was talking about this, and I don't, maybe Brandon forgot that we we're supposed to start at seven this morning, but um, if he doesn't come on today, that's fine. I'll remind him tomorrow. Um, but, um, you know, again, he was talking about the truth and what's the truth and relativism um, and how we hold our own truth. And we think that, oh, it's because it's my truth. It must be true. But it is your truth. Yes. But it's not the ultimate truth. No. And that's something I think that's very important. It's an important distinction to understand. However, these alter states of consciousness can kind of lend itself into a different type of truth. Um, and that would be like natural law, like a, a, a truth that, that perhaps helps to mold and shape the narrative of humanity in a better way, in a way that's going to support us. And, you know, of course, as we bring these ideas back, we bastardize them because humans can't help themselves. <laughs> they just can't help themselves. It just seems like we want to, like, we have something good. And for some reason or another, we uh, tend to, as a human species, tend to demolish it for some reason. I don't know why we're so destructive like that. I don't know what it is about our species that has to go destruct and just 
dismember <laughs> and pick apart everything that's good because you've got to understand like um Tesla, Einstein, all these people, they all they'll tell you that their ideas were not their own, that there was something greater that they were pulling from. Same for me when I have these um people call them downloads now, right? They say I've got, I've got this download or I've got this epiphany or whatever you want to call it that when that happens they feel like it's not them it's coming from something greater well that makes sense right if we if we were to hold the ultimate truth we would disappear that's what i think would happen we're just too tiny too small to hold that much information we hold pieces of information but we don't know everything and we can't know everything that's just ridiculous that would be too much we can only know what we know and then we can dive into what we know we don't know but what we don't know we don't know and that's another distinction so if brandon was on here i'd have him go over you know i know know what you know you know what you know but what you don't know you don't know that's kind of the altered state of consciousness you don't even know that you don't know it and then when you're in that experience all of a sudden you know something that you never knew before like you didn't even know that you didn't know it <laughs> Sorry, this goes goes back to a friend of ours, and it was funny. I wish uh, Brandon was here because um, one of our friends, he was like, how do you know that you don't know that you don't know? If I don't know, how do I? And so he just kept going on and on. It was kind of hilarious, actually. So there, I thought I'd throw that in there. But it does take us to these spaces where, you know, we pull and extract information. And that's kind of, you know, I was talking about us shaping the narrative and and we get to be the ones who create the narrative. Um, and that's kind of the thought process, kind of where we need individuals to sort of be. To be in that space of openness to receive new information that they didn't even know they didn't know. So that they can then work with this information and understand how it might support and shape a new reality. Now, it's going to happen. This new reality is going to be shaped and mold regardless. We talked about that on the pa uh, last podcast where, you know, the systems are coming down and it is going to come down because like everything, we have our peak moments and then we fall. People think that the system's going to last forever. It's not. Nothing lasts forever. Things are constantly changing. Things are constantly shifting. There's always motion. There's never, um, it's this way and that's it and that's final. It, it's not like that. That's not how the world works. We're constantly in change and transformation. Our bodies, right, as a, as a system, our body is constantly transforming and changing. Our bodies don't just stay the same, right? We get older. Look at me. You can see my gray hairs. Um, you know what I'm saying? Your Your skin starts to wrinkle. You know, all that stuff that happens as you get older, your body is not always young. It's the same. You get a piece of fruit. That piece of fruit isn't going to stay ripe. You know, it starts to go and it starts to decay. So nothing is permanent. Everything is always shifting and changing and transforming into something new. That is the same with civilization and society. It's not going to stay the same. But it's hard for people to let go of the old. And I think, you know, in process and thinking, even myself, holding on to old narratives and, and understanding this. And I think even with Brandon's discussion, you know, talking about 
how are we attached to the old narrative? Well, we are. And that narrative is privilege, and it is. And then maybe that was a way that I didn't see privilege. Like I did, but I didn't, right? Because I don't know what it's like to live in um, fighting for my food. But in the past, that was a thing. You know, yes, people bartered and trade, but we didn't, couldn't just go to the grocery store back, you know, whenever. It was pretty recent, actually. There wasn't just grocery stores where I could just go get the fruits and this that I want. I mean, everything's so accessible and so easy for us. And um, I think that really put it into perspective for me that, yeah, we do live in this life that's pretty privileged because we can just go to the market, get our stuff, and then go home. But in the past, people were growing their own food. In fact, my grandfather, he had... um, he was growing vegetables next door to his house forever. My mom said, we even have an apricot tree that was planted. That's still there, but are we growing food? No. Now my uncle moved into that property and put a house and now there's no food. You know, he loves roses and stuff, but we can't eat the roses. Right? So they grew their food. They were farmers. They, you know, maybe not all their food came from that. Maybe there was trade. Maybe there was um, a grocery market in the distance, but not like today. I mean, I go into Walmart and, you know, I've seen just how much they have or Costco or Sprouts or Trader Joe's. And then people are like, well, we're out of this, we're out of that. Well, I remember as a child that we only ate in season and, and we don't, now we have the luxury of getting avocados anytime we want. Well, you know what? I do remember when I was a kid and I do remember that avocados were only seasonal and I hated when they were out of season because I loved avocado. So I had to wait, you know, we don't have that waiting game anymore. Everything is at the fingertips, you know, especially here in America. Now I will say in India, um, they eat seasonally. Um, because I, I remember last time I went, they go, no, it's out of season. We don't get that yet. And I was like, oh, okay. But you go to the markets and there's a bunch of markets. So they have still agriculture is very, very prominent in India. And you can still go and get, you know, your fresh fruits and vegetables and all that at the marketplace where they have vendors that sell. Now, is it the same? No, it's not big grocery stores. Um, they're marketplaces, right? Um, good morning. I can relate. My narrative has been the expectation of being in a certain job field. What's available is out of that field. So the new narrative is trial and error, not to use lasting. Let's see what you're saying. Sorry. Only a month. Yes. So we change the narratives because things change. And so that's what we see is happening, right? I mean, I've talked about this over and over again, but there may be a new way, a new um, um, language to describe the same thing is that society's changing. The narrative is changing. The way that we see the world around us is changing. It's not going to stay the same and it never will because that's not how life works. Life doesn't stay the same, but we're very used to the society that we've created. And this society is a society of privilege. It really is. And, and you know, it's funny because people will even say, here, we have our first world problems. Well, in the U.S., we do, right? I Like I said, when I lived in India, you know, even in Nepal. So going to Nepal, right, you see these individuals and you see these women with these huge baskets on their head and they're hauling up water. Like, we don't do that here. 
We don't even know what that is like. We don't have to haul water around. We, we just turn on the tap, right? And there's the water. Like, that's privilege. But we don't get it, right? And sometimes we forget it. And even myself forgetting it, that there's this privilege that we have. Um, that privilege, what it allows us is like, what are you doing with that privilege? Okay. Now in America, we have another conversation of privilege, right? Like, well, I was born in this, da, 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 da. but as America as a whole, yes, we are privileged. And for me to deny that um, would be, uh, that would be wrong. I think in my opinion, it would be incorrect. I should say it would be incorrect to say that because I've been other places where the water, the tap water, you don't drink the tap water. <laughs> they have like these filtered bottles and you have to, you know, and it, Again, the water is not easily accessible. Um, they do have food. So the food is abundant um, and there is access to food, but it's not the foods you want sometimes. Sometimes you got to say, well, it's not in season, so we're eating this. Well, in America, not like that. If something is a sh like there is a shortage, then people will complain about the shortage of that particular fruit. Well, then eat the other fruit <laughs> or eat the other, you know, but no, but we're going to complain about it. And that's fine, but we need to understand. Now, here's, I think here's what we could do with that privilege, which I think is powerful, um, is take that privilege and understand that we can actually reach these altered states of consciousness that I started talking about at the beginning. Because we have this, we have what we call, it's a false security, but we have this safe space to do that. We're not... Okay, I'm not going to say not everybody's hungry, but we have access to food in a bigger way than most people, okay? Most of us are pretty comfortable in our spaces. Use the time wisely. Use that time to, to alter your states of consciousness. Rather than focusing on what you don't have, like an iPod, like some people, it's crazy, even kids, like I don't have an iPod, I don't have this, I don't have that. I'm like... What are you talking about? We didn't have any of that stuff, right? Using that time privilege that you have to be able to tap into those altered states of consciousness. Because we're not fighting 100% for food. We still have people, you know, people will say, well, there's this poverty issue. There's this, there is, but we do have access. There's food everywhere. So really, really, we're not 100% without food. I think back in the day, there was more famine. Okay. I'm going to say there's probably not famine. I think people maybe are not making the best choices for their health and what they choose to eat, but there wasn't famine, right? Um, as much. Okay. People were literally didn't have access to food the way we do. And we do have access. We do. You just go into Walmart and see. Okay. So again, now that we have this foundation of, yeah, there is some privilege here. You know, people can get access to water quicker, faster. Um, that we use that time to reach these altered states of consciousness. And that we support ourselves in changing the narrative before they change it for us, which is what I've been talking about. Because 
things change. It's going to change. Civilization is eventually going to shift into morph into something different. It's not going to stay the same. And for people who think it's going to stay the same, it's not. That's not how life works. It, you either change or it forces you into submission. Like this is the process of life. You can't, <laughs> you can't outdo natural law. Let's just say that. People try to. And the process of natural law is an ebb and flow of death and rebirth, period. And so some people want to be immortal. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why do you want to be immortal? Why do you want to be young forever? Like, that's not, I mean, you can't be immortal. Like, you're eventually going to transform into something different. Even if, let's say, for instance, like, well, I'm going to be immortal because I'm going to upload my consciousness into computers. Because that's what people are doing, right? They're like, I want to, you're still morphing into something different. There's a death of your body eventually. So some death is happening for rebirth to happen. It's a cycle of life. You can't get away from it. Like people want to get away from this thing. They can't. It's not, <laughs> it's part of life. The transformation and the change is part of life. That is the law. I didn't make it up. <laughs> it's not something I created. It is the way it is. It is what it is. Things transform and change. There will be a death of society the way we know it. It's going to happen. I don't know any other way to say it. <laughs> it is not going to stay the same forever. No civilization ever on the planet has stayed the same forever. We see these megalithic, beautiful, beautiful cities that no one lives in anymore. You're thinking, well, there's all this space and beauty. How come we're not living there? We see ruins, whole civilizations just not living in that civilization anymore. They don't live there. They moved or they perished, whatever it was. The same is going to happen with society here, okay? And it's happening faster than we understand. And I'm trying to get people to understand this. Um, I don't know how much more allowed to say it, but the change and transformation is going to happen, whether we want it to or not, okay? So we can either prepare ourselves for it, or we could just let it fall down in front of our face and freak out because that's what most people do when things finally really hit the fan. Because they haven't made any kind of exit, escape, or learned how to or nothing. Or maybe they're not listening to the signs. They don't know. It's like Noah's Ark, right? When Noah built the Ark, what did he do? They were laughing. They were ridiculing him. What the hell are you doing? He had foresight. He's like, I'm going to jump ship literally because uh, you people are not getting that this is not going to stay the same. But people get so set in their comfort and then boom, when the storm hits, of course, they're trying to jump, sh jump on the ship, but then it's too late. Okay. So I can't tell you enough that this system is not going to last forever. We're really, it's about to burst open. And what's to come? Well, we get to create that is what I'm saying. Either that or they're going to control the narrative. And by them, I mean these people that are in this higher up ivory tower, whatever you want to call them, the one percenters trying to control everything. And they'll do it again. And it's the perfect time for them. 
because they know that it's about to collapse and fall. And they know that the masses are so focused on other stuff that they're not focusing on that. And so they get to do it. And so they get to tell us what gets to happen instead of us being proactive and creating what gets to happen. So wake up. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I've been quiet forever because I'm, you know, it's a, it gets a little frustrating after a while talking to, and the ones that are on here, right? I feel preaching to the choir, but share this with people. Tell people to share the podcast with them. If you find somebody else who's talking similar things, share the information, get the word out, right? Let people know like things are shifting, they're changing. I'm not saying to go in panic mode, but have a have a strategy <laughs> and then find out what the narrative is going to be. Like, this is my narrative. This is what I think. Do other people feel the same way? How do I uh, come together with the common ground? I think culture was a big thing that, you know, Brandon was talking about too on the last podcast, which I think is important. Culture is important. I, I said, yeah, okay, let me think about culture where we come together with a common understanding and we recreate because we know that there's not a common ground right now we have so black and white people one on this side of the coin the other on this side of coin one's not listening to the other and you're not going to change the minds of those people so why even try i'm not going to stay stuck in those narratives i'm going to say both of them are going to fall when everything falls so rather than looking at that, trying to ask yourself, how do we come up with a common ground with other individuals? Um, the way I decide is not all change in a negative, or let's see, let me see what you said, Christine. In a negative, our ancestors passed down recipes, cooked differently because we have modern appliances such as Dad mixers, blenders, the job shorter. Yeah. Um, Sicily, we get baths, toilet water, city fountain in the middle of the plaza. The whole town did some of the happiest days. Yeah. So it's just, it's different and culturally. And if you don't travel, you're not a world traveler, you're not going to understand. And that's, I think, hard for some people living in America too. Um, I just remember when I came back from India and the privilege that I heard out of everybody's mouth. Right. It was like, wow, they're complaining about the bed they sleep in when I literally slept on a. What is it, a box mattress or box spring or however long I was out there for a year? I mean, and a tiny little bed. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying people didn't have access to these like luxurious things, but literally there's the poverty is different there. It's totally different than here, you know, and I even told my friend, you know, for us, we, we put an emphasis on people with disabilities, right? Like you have to have in the city, the States, whatever. They're like, you have to have ramps and access and they don't have that in India. You should see their sidewalks. They're not made for people that for wheelchairs, like you wouldn't have a wheelchair there. You couldn't. So, and I told my friend, well, how come they don't do like think? And he's like, wow, I didn't even think about that. You know, these guys were, there was people half cut off walking on their hands everywhere. So, you know, they were getting around, but they didn't have like these fancy 
wheelchairs and sometimes I'd be like well how do people get up the stairs like what and there was no ramps there was nothing right so again it's a different you got to travel to see those things right where there's differences and you know here it's it's well let's think about that let's support that and it's a good thing but it's also seen and I shouldn't say it's a privilege but in a way we have more access to things than other places don't so it is true now do I love India yes would I live there yes so people from India wanting to come here but trust me I loved it there and there was a different reason why um the culture and the people and the way that they their hearts they have beautiful hearts and that, I think that's more important it's how the people how you treated how 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 do people treat you rather than living in some luxurious palace when you can be you know with people who treat you good and laugh and 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 the beauty of it right all hey baldonado um so there's that and so um i guess brandon just forgot today or maybe he's asleep i don't know which is fine um but uh i did want to talk about the non-ordinary states of consciousness and the altered states of consciousness um i will say that if you are in the space where you can do altered states of consciousness or altered states or some kind of form that allows you to access i highly recommend doing it um and bringing back the wisdom that you get from that experience back into um you know um back into this three-dimensional time space we need that at this point we need more individuals accessing that they don't know what they don't know information and bringing it back we need more individuals being able to help reshape the narrative because things are about to collapse. Now, I'm gonna say, is it my time? No. Do I have a time? No. I don't know how much time it'll take, but we're definitely not gonna stay with the same structure. Things will change. That's just inevitable, okay? And we just happen to be in a time and live in a time where we, are experiencing the shift from one one world to another from one society into another now that transition can be from good circumstances to better or from good circumstances to worse and that's really up to us it depends on how we speak out about what we see and what we want if we don't support each other through this narrative into something that's better than what we have now we're going to end up with something worse so um it's it's to be determined are people going to wake up i don't know i mean i don't know if we have enough time you know to teach people this information enough to think for themselves to create narratives <laughs> or if they're just going to let these people who are shaping the entire civilization let them do it and let's see what we end up with we're going to end up with control freaks really is what's going to happen they're trying to control everything and and there you go so what do we want you know and maybe it won't be in our fully our lifetime because a lot of us are older but the next generation 
like are we teaching them right how to create new narratives how to understand consciousness how to heal trauma so that they can then give back their divine purpose what they're here to do rather than focusing on healing the trauma that's so deep teach them to heal the trauma early on so that when they're adults and ready to go out to the world they can actually give back to the narrative help shape the narrative you know but i i just don't think that that's happening you know i don't i don't know i mean i just live in a bubble i think sometimes i'm like i'm in my bubble and I think people get it, but then mostly people don't, is what I'm understanding. I don't know what they're watching, you know, or what they're paying attention to or whatever. But what about the generations to come? Maybe no one cares, maybe some care. Um, and if we're not, us adults, us elders, I'm becoming an elder, I'm an elder to my nephew, but if us elders aren't teaching the younger generation, well, what are we handing them? What legacy are we leaving behind for them? What are we What are we telling them? That it's okay just to be submissive and just accept whatever um, society is going to shape into, and that's that? Like, no. They're warriors. They have a voice. They're just as intelligent, and they have a divine purpose, and that gets to be recognized and seen and honored and that divine purpose isn't going to happen in a society where people are trying to control every aspect of an individual's life we've already seen that happen we know where that goes so there you go change and transformation um altered states of consciousness as i read more i will give you more information um but there you have it um, and what is today? Today is Tuesday. So have a fantastic Tuesday. Um, and hopefully Brandon will come on tomorrow. I'll send him, shoot him a message. Be like, what happened to you, dude? <laughs> um, so there you have it. I love you guys so, 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 so much. I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a fantastical day and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.